Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Man, I hate the offseason. There's just nothing to talk about. There's no baseball. There's no games going on. Are you kidding me? Shohei Otani just signed for $700 million, Mark. I think that qualifies as something going on. Okay, but he didn't sign here. It's not like he has any connection to the Rockies. You know who has a connection to the Rockies? Russell Wilson used to be a farmhand for the Rockies. We can talk about that. Russell Wilson is an NFL quarterback, Mark. We're not going to talk about that. Okay, but you know, hey, you know who made a great pitcher? We could put him up on the hill. Have you seen Nicole Jokic throw full-court passes? Man, that guy would throw 95-plus on the mound. I know they're called baseball passes, Mark, but this is the NBA now we're talking about. God, you're so strict. Um, what? Oh, well, dude, baseball player, let's talk about Dion. Dion, we've been over Dion. Are you going to keep talking about Dion? Is that all you talk about? All right, you're right. Um, okay, oh, I got it. I've got it. Here, you ready for this one? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, we could probably do two or three podcasts on this. Next time we go on, let's talk about... It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. The inactivity of the Colorado Rockies at this month's winter meetings remains a sore spot with Rockies faithful. Nothing doing in free agency or the trade market. While teams like the Dodgers just get better. They meant it when they said this was going to be all about the farm system. This week, Patrick Lyons from DNVR joins the show, along with former Rockies World Series pitcher Jason Hirsch to talk pitching, pitching, and more pitching. And who's on first? Patrick and Jason join me next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. Pleased to be joined by a special guest host this week man who did far more in a Rockies uniform than I ever did. He got to pitch in the World Series. Jason Hirsch joins us uh, today. Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. Patrick Lyons from DNVR is kind enough to sit in with us this week. We're going to kind of talk about his experiences at the winter meetings and our thoughts on what we've seen transpire so far this offseason. I don't necessarily think any of us want to rehash what happened last season, but nonetheless, uh, we were hoping for more than we've seen to this point. I don't know if we'll see anything moving forward, but Patrick, Fill us in on what didn't happen at the winter meetings for the Colorado Rockies. Well, the way you phrased it, I, I can respond by saying everything yeah. didn't happen at the winter meetings down in, in Nashville, the Gaylord Opryland uh, Resort and Convention Center. Talking with Bill Schmidt, it, it really just looks like the, the Rockies are going to get out of their own way, in a sense, and really just kind of wait for the prospects, which you know isn't, isn't a bad general idea, but but you're waiting and Rockies fans have already had to wait through, you know, six seasons of, of non postseason baseball. So that's hard. Um, the entire coaching staff is coming back from 103 loss team that again, you can't put a lot of that oh, on man. them. I don't but, put any of that on sure. there. 
Right. But uh, the optics are, aren't great when right. you're, you know, already one of a, just a few teams that haven't spent at all in free agency. And really the only focus it looks like for, for Schmidt in the front office is to add a, a backup catcher and uh, improve the bench. So maybe a left-handed hitting outfielder is probably all they're, they're going to do unless, you know, maybe they can maybe, you know, make a, a big trade to acquire a young starting pitcher. But until they do that, you know, they're not. Jason, you were on the, the most successful Rockies team ever, um, built largely through the draft. I'll be honest, most of those guys came through the draft. You didn't, but a lot of them did. I, I just don't I don't disagree with building through the draft. I just disagree with only building through the draft. Is that fair? Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I think you have to look at the holes in your organization and then look at, obviously, what's available to you out there and go, is this, is this an opportunity for us to fill a hole that we can, an immediate need, rather than drafting and waiting to see if these guys are going to fulfill their potential? I mean, that's the thing with, with all minor leaguers is they all have, quote-unquote, potential. Mm-hmm. But until they get to the big leagues and they start producing um, at some caliber, or at least prove that they can be there, um, there's really no point in, in sitting back and waiting. And the Rockies have done this traditionally throughout their history is, you know, draft and wait and draft and wait and draft and wait. And every so often, you know, a team comes along where um, it all comes together. But, you know, that 07 team was a mix of those young guys and those veteran guys that they went out and got. Um, and fortunately for them at that point, they all, you know, those veteran guys had career years. The rookie guys were putting up the numbers that they should have put up. And so that was a successful team. But you can't bank on that happening year in, year out. Patrick, the – um the crux, obviously, of everyone's frustration is the pitching staff, especially the starting pitching staff, beset by injuries. In fact, the entire organization's pitchers beset by injuries from the big leagues down to the guys that just signed. All of them are hurt. And they've made no efforts to change that. I mean, change personnel in any way, shape, or form in the starting rotation. I think the bullpen actually could have been okay last year, could have done well, got overworked, as always. The bullpen's never going to succeed if the starting rotation can't give you five or six innings a night, which they could not do. Uh, you got Kyle Freeland. you got Austin Gomber. I like both those guys, but they're threes or fours on a good team. Senzatella and Marcus aren't going to pitch much of at all this year, if at all. What help? What hope do Rockies fans have that some starting pitching can emerge in some way, shape, or form for this coming season? Yeah, that that hope is going to have to be in the in the second half of the year, both with Marquez coming back after the All Star break, just by just just his presence alone of like, okay. He's back. It's it's maybe late July, early August, and he's going to have a normal 2025. That's hopeful. The guys that are in Double A that were were mentioned a little bit in in Nashville that are are the young guys on the come up. The Case Williams, right from the Colorado product mm-hmm. from Castle Rock. That's uh, it's a big one. He had a major league invite last year. He should have that again along with Joe Rock and Carson Palmquist, two left handers. Uh, who are who are pretty solid. So those are the guys that in the second half of the year, they've got the biggest upside that you could look to and say, okay, let's see if we can get these guys' feet wet, and and maybe they can kind of have that you know surge that that you saw Ryan Feltner kind of finally mm-hmm. get into there in in, in twenty twenty two and at moments early in uh, in April of of twenty three. Maybe Noah Davis can kind of be a part of that group as well. Uh, the Kyle Quantrill pickup was was really nice. He'll mm-hmm. be a good innings eater. Maybe you have something there, but again, he only has two years of club control. So if you're if you're thinking about the next contending team for the Rockies, Kyle Quantrill will more likely than not you know not be a part of that. Jason, why am I? Sitting here thinking, all these guys are going to end up getting hurt. 
It just seems always that always seems to happen. Why can't they? Because you're healthy. Because you're an eternal pessimist, Mark. Yeah, That's no, why. I'm not. I just I just go by what's <laughs> happened has happened, and they always this organization's best guys seem to always get hurt. Well, I, I think there's a couple things at play here, right? I, you know, I think the injury bug. You know, everybody gets hurt. Sure. You know, everybody has to deal with injuries. Sure. Um, I, I think you would yeah. you would be you would be more in line with a comment like why why am I thinking that these guys are going to grossly underperform again? <laughs> um, you know because that's that's at the end of the day. I mean, every time I, I watch the Rocks, it's like they throw a new name out there that nobody's ever heard of. You know because they need a pulse on the mound to, to throw strikes, and you know maybe they have a couple outings here or there, but the overarching you know. Uh, body of work is just not very good. The, the stuff isn't what what I think would play well at, at Coors Field. And I think the Rockies are just trying to scrape by, you know, and, you know, and to Patrick's point, they're going to have to bide their time until those proven arms can get back. And, you know, hopefully by that time frame, they're not so far out of it that it becomes a moot point. Now they, they just take more time to come back to make sure they're eternally ready. You know, the to guys, do it, but. Last year's top pick, I, his name just gave me at the moment, Patrick. We saw him pitch an inning or two innings against the Dodgers in spring training. I actually got to see that. And he Gabriel was Yeah, who used got hurt. I mean, another another guy comes out and he's hurt right away. And and yes, you're right, Jason. Everybody gets injuries. They happen happen all the time. The Dodgers have been beset by that too, and their in their pitching staff. But it seems like all the Rockies prospects are also getting hurt. Is there something they're not doing in the minor leagues to get these guys healthy and get them to the big leagues? You know, it, I mean, there's a lot of things that could be there. Obviously, without being boots on the ground, I couldn't give you a, one way or the other. But I think you have to look at workload management. Um, that's certainly going to be something. Um, you know, obviously, training modalities and methods are, are another thing that you're going to have to look at. You know, organization-wide, what's their throwing program like? You know, what uh, what is their lifting protocols like? What are their recovery and, and nutrition protocols like? I mean, those things across the board are all going to going to play into player health. And so, if you have a systemic problem of injury across all levels, then you have to start looking at what are the systems in place that we have that are potentially causing these issues. And without that internal focus, they're just going to keep doing this until somebody filters through the system unhurt. You've talked to me in the past about lack of uniformity in the minor leagues as far as messaging and and what they what they hear from level to level. Is that still the case from the guys you talked to? Um, I haven't talked with a whole lot of guys recently, but yes, that was the case last year where, where guys were saying, you know, from one level to another, they were being told to do different things and they were getting conflicting messages. Um, you know, one, one guy would say, Hey, just go ahead and, you know, strike guys out and, you know, use your best stuff. And the next guy would say, no, we have you, you know, we want you to, to fit into this box. You have to throw sinkers and, and you know, rely on your fastballs or whatever it might be. But that was what I was hearing from certain players was that every level that they went up, it seemed the message changed. They would get accustomed to one thing, go up, and then all of a sudden that messaging was different and they had to make adjustments to that and that stalled their progression. Patrick, it seems like, um, and talked to Clint Hurdle a couple of weeks ago on this, on this program, and he said, we're just trying to acquire as many arms as we can get. We're just going out there trying to grab as many guys as we can get. Is that more or less what you hear too? I mean, draft is almost all pitchers. Every acquisition seems to be out getting pitchers. All the trades from last summer brought in more pitchers. How many arms can they bring to spring training? And how many innings are there available for yeah. those guys at, at the various levels? Right. Um, but I guess that's probably a good problem that that you're going to have. Yeah, I think, you know, talking with uh, Mark Gustafson, at the winter meetings, you know, after the draft lottery, because Rockies will select right. third overall, you know, are, are they going to go after pitching again? And, and again, 
the third best player in the country is um, is, is an elite player, so it might not necessarily matter their position. But if you look at the last two drafts, I want to say they 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 took over thirty four well, players, and uh, and all the players that they acquired at the trade deadline this last year were, were pitchers. So uh, they're they're definitely going to need to to continue to to add those arms. It's one of the reasons why, despite the fact that the twenty twenty draft class, you know, it was it was so small, it was only those five rounds, and that was the only thing going on in the world at that time. So I remember covering it, you know, very intently. Yeah. And while there was some excitement for Zach Veen to have fallen all the way down to, to the ninth pick after a guy who was, you know, whispered about being the number two overall pick, it seemed as if they didn't get enough pitching in one of the best college pitching classes that we'd seen in some time. It was it was Chris McMahon and, and Sam Weatherly, uh, and both those guys have had injuries. Injuries. McMahon was at Double A this past year, and and he's another one of those guys that maybe can kind of improve his, his value from, from what it's, it's been since they drafted him. But ultimately, you know, that was, that was an opportunity for them to go after some guys and uh, they got case Williams traded him, got him back, but they, they didn't get it. Didn't get enough uh, in, in that draft in particular. And they've, they finally tried to course correct, but they, they only just started doing that in the 2022 draft. Jason, you and I both. Mark, can I, can, you know, Mike, Please. let me chime in real quick. Cause you, you had said something that, that Clint had said that, that I fundamentally disagree with. That we're just trying to bring in as many pitchers as we can and see what. Well, no, he. I, 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 right? I might have missed. I might have misphrased that. He didn't say we just throw him. Okay. He just implied that. Listen, we're trying to get collect as many arms as we can. Just more, more, more pitchers. Just bring in right. more arms. And well, more. and and, and, and I, 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 and I guess along those points, that line, you know, I think as an organization that has, you know, historically been um, very cheap with with contracts and and heavily relying on player development to get guys to the level. You know, you shouldn't just be going out there and trying to grab as many, you know, fresh pulses as you can and seeing which one's going to work their way through the system. There, there is definitely a way to develop players and to and to build pitchers and, and develop the kind of talent that you want that you think is going to fit at that level. It shouldn't just be go grab a bunch of dudes and see who's going to work. Yeah. There should be some focus thought into their player development in terms of which pitchers they're going to draft, where they're finding value where other teams don't see value, and exploiting that. That's where I think that the, the, where you start to develop arms where it's the next man up as opposed to, oh, my God, what's left. Yeah. Yeah. I, you and I both been in circumstances in spring training where you feel like it's a cattle call, right? There's just so many guys out there, so many pitchers out there. You're just begging for your opportunity to get up on the mound and throw. As a young pitcher, how do you separate yourself from the pack in in what will be a very large pack in spring training? Well, in this case, stay healthy. You might be you might be the last one last standing, standing if you don't yeah. have an injury, right? I, I think the other way you stand out, you got to get out. I mean, uh, you got to be productive in, in in your approach on the mound. Are you you know are you throwing strikes? Uh, are you winning the first two out of three? I think that's a huge metric for for pitchers at all levels, but. More than you know, more that than that, the, the big league level. If you can win the first three pitches, meaning that I can get to 0-2, 1-2 in those first three pitches, the the odds go dramatically into your favor. Right. So right. you know, it, and it could be something stupid, simple in terms of what's our philosophy. How about we win the first two out of three? If you can do that, maybe this is there's a pitching staff in there that that's going to have some success with some subpar arms. Or some uh, some names that nobody's heard of, but just that general idea of I just got to win the first two out of three, and the odds shift into my favor, and now I can do whatever I want with it. Patrick Albuquerque didn't have a very good year on the hill last year, if I remember correctly. Collectively, is there anybody down there we're not talking about that could make some sort of impact on this big league roster? 
in Albuquerque? Not not really. I think you saw most of those guys. One of the issues that the isotopes had last year was the fact that all of their best arms or healthiest arms were were poached from them by the Rockies, right? Every time somebody went down, someone a player got called up from the isotopes. We're not seeing the same pipeline from double A to the majors like some other teams are able to utilize. You know, we did finally see Feltner in 21 go from double A to the majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 2022 is Gavin Hollowell and Noah Davis double A to the majors, pretty much just for a cup of coffee. So, uh, you know, the isotopes really struggled last year because of that, you know, all of their guys were taken, including veteran ones like a, a tie block. Right. So uh, that, that was kind of a, a huge component to that. And so those double A guys are, are going to go up to triple A and, and then, you know, eventually we'll see some of those non-roster invites. Those, those guys are going to, you know, fill up the bulk of the isotopes roster when, when the rest of the seats are kind of filled for other teams. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's something that just seems to be a reoccurring pattern this outfit. Jason, young pitchers like Noah Davis, guys like that, are they better prospects than they show when they get here? Is there a reason they don't succeed here and they might succeed elsewhere? Well, I think you, sorry, my my dog is is very upset at this question. Um, I'll something to add. (laughs) Mickey, you want to add to this? Okay, come here. Come here. Yeah, I I think part of it is, it's obviously it's messaging, it's player philosophy, you know, it's that type of stuff that, uh, you know, when they leave the organization, they're getting different types of input. Um, you know, if you read the MVP machine, it, you know, they, they outline, you know, when some guys are getting to certain teams, they get certain levels of information that they weren't privy to with the organization they came yeah. from. And it's the same thing, right? Once you get to the Rockies, you get to a certain level with the Rockies, and then you get traded off. Somebody goes, well, wait a second. There's value here. You just weren't using that yeah. value. And so, you know, now you exploit it. Colin McHugh was a great example, and that was in the MVP machine. As a guy who the Rockies undervalued, they let him go, and Houston goes, wait a second, if you just throw your curveball a whole bunch – you're going to be super successful. And next thing you know, it becomes an all-star. It's yeah. funny that you uh, that you mentioned that, Jason, MVP machine and finding value where it, it, it's not valued, right? I mean, that's yep. what that's what Moneyball is about. It's not just yep. on-base percentage and, and and slugging percentage. It's it's finding value where others don't see it. Uh, and we're actually in the 20th anniversary of, of Moneyball. That came out in June of 2003. And the, the funny thing is about that book that most people – don't don't think about it. And I'm sure maybe it's it's referenced in there. It might not even be that Moneyball starts with the Colorado Rockies. Really? Moneyball starts with a trade in which uh, the the Rockies cast off. Uh, I think it was what like Luke Hudson and Gabe White to Cincinnati for Pokey Reese. They turn around and trade him the next day to to Boston for Scott Hatterberg, and then they cut Scott Hatterberg. So in the movie, when you see him sitting on the couch and he's like, man, my career is over. He just got released by the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> so again, I, I don't know that it's mentioned in the book, but next time you watch that movie, just know when, when Chris Pratt is just sitting on his couch looking totally dejected, it's because he just got cut by the Colorado Rockies. He should have been smiling. <laughs> Easy, big fella. Who's the, who's the internal, eternal pessimist now? Um, Sorry. We've, we've, that's morphed us into talk about analytics. And I know um, the Rockies historically have been slow to the, slow to the dance, right? They've just not been part of the analytics movement. Patrick, is that changing? I know Jason's really up on that stuff now from a pitching standpoint. Are the Rockies up on that stuff now from a pitching standpoint? Is there more emphasis on analytics? There, There is more emphasis, but again, going from zero to five miles an hour isn't, mm. isn't necessarily <laughs> something to, to brag about. Um, at the, at the, the end of season press availability in, in 2019, when it was Bud Black, 
Jeff Breidich and, and Dick Monfort there. That was a discussion where I can remember Buddy saying like, yeah, maybe five, 10 years you know, behind things and, and they, they've still been behind things. They've only recently, you know, uh, grown the analytics department to, to more than just one person, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, they, they, they are going to bust out a, a brand new lab. That's what they're calling down in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. you know, something that uh, they, they hope that's going to keep their guys at, at Salt River Fields and, and, and work with the analytics stuff that's, that's there, you know, for the last five plus years, you know, some of the, the best turnarounds that Rockies players have had involved, you know, going up to Kent Washington, going up to driveline, going, going down to Marucci. Now they have a new uh, hitting lab that's down there. I mean, Adam Adovino basically had to reinvent himself in, in a lot of different ways in, inside of uh, a warehouse, you know, in, in New York city. So those guys that have had that success that have used analytics and, and have used the technology that's available out there. So many of them have done it away from the Rockies. And I think Colorado's realizing that, Hey, maybe we can get these guys to kind of stay in house a little bit more and uh, maybe we can actually provide them with some of that information. And so uh, they'll, they'll be rolling that out this year. And that that's something that they're, they're proud of at least. What do you think, Jason, are you a believer in that they'll do, they'll follow through on that and, and, and talk about guys nope. who don't have to do laundry and, and analytics at the same time. Huh? Nope. Nope. Yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, you me, know, right? I, like, you know, Patrick, you brought up drive line, and, and then, you know, I, I've been a staunch follower of them for a long time, and um, a lot of the stuff that they've done in the player development world. And, you know, I've listened to Kyle talk a lot about, um, you know, analytics and player development, you know, and how the, where the Rockies are. And, and he said it on a podcast. It was actually a, a um, but he basically said that the Rockies are so far behind at this point, it would be statistically impossible for them to catch up so you know to your point going from zero to five miles an hour versus we should have started this 10 15 years ago it's it's almost no different at this point um you know they're they really need to embrace the idea that you know these players are leaving for a reason they're asking for this stuff and the organization is failing to provide an opportunity for these players to grow and develop within the organization because they're stuck and stubborn and in their current ways. So this is where, you know, I think if they just leaned into this just a little bit, you would get more buy-in from the players and you might actually get better results out of them. Let's go ahead and talk about the guys we do know are going to be here and we do know can contribute. I think that starts with Ezekiel Tovar and Nolan Jones, two young guys, Brenton Doyle in that conversation as well. I did see someone where Doyle and Jones were ranked the two best outfield arms, at least in the National League, if I'm not mistaken. So there's something to work with. There is something to work with here. It just depends on how they do, how they work it, and if they can keep these people healthy. Right, Patrick? Yeah, those guys were a definite bright spot in the second second half of last year. Um, Jones, Doyle, Tovar, you know, despite the the 103 loss season, it was a lot more exciting to cover the team and, and and probably to watch the team too for for many fans that I've talked to than it was in 2022 because there was some hope and and again we're talking about three guys but even still there was that hope of like okay there there's something here this is the start of of a core that you can go forward with uh, that's going to you know allow Charlie Blackman to maybe pass the baton on to somebody um and instead of just you know Ryan McMahon it, it just being bequeathed to him so to speak right. so Jones is is definitely a, a an exciting player and then Tovar you know I I've, I've said it several times before that it's strange that how much he delivered on the the hype and the promise of hey this is what this guy is going to be and he delivered exactly that if not more and yet got zero recognition in the rookie of the year award voting in a stacked class, but still he's, he's a player that, you know, I, I think is going to continue to make strides each and every year. I mean, not, not bad for a 21 year old shortstop. 
Okay. Well, I got to ask this question, both of you. Who's on first? Chris Bryant. I think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're leaving Montero out. You're leaving Goodman out. You're leaving Tolia out. You're putting, I mean, Blackman's in the outfield, maybe DH. And that's, that's a kind of a mess over there, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost a six-player platoon between first base, right field, and and DH. And now, granted, you know DH and, and first base is eighty to ninety percent of the season. If they're healthy, at least is right. going to be Brian at first and and Blackman at DH. You know, both guys you could probably run out there five to ten times next season in right field if you needed to get Montero's bat in at at first base or at, at DH. But that leaves Tolia and Sean Bouchard and Hunter Goodman and Montero. You've got four guys battling for not a ton of playing position. And so that's, that's part of that creativity that the Rockies need to have. If they're going to acquire some young pitching, even if it's Very you know, someone that that's, that's not a, that's Very not good. a big well-known name, just, Hey, we just kind of need a, a young arm that we, we yep. see something in a- because Montero is just wasting away there. That's- and I know that they are probably worried about him hitting 30 home runs with somebody else. But if you're not going to play them, then just you're right. No, I, you're 100 right. I was going to get to that point. Um, I was down there one day last year during early, right when Bryant was coming back and he was going to play some first base, and he's taking throws at first. The other four guys are taking ground balls. Totally is light years ahead of everybody else defensively. He's far and away the best defensive first baseman, but they don't like his strikeouts, so I don't blame him for that. Bouchard was was an outfielder. I mean, don't they have to, and and will they use some of those pieces? Like you said, fearful that they're going to go somewhere else and be successful, but you got to trade from a position of strength. That's where they're deepest. The, one, of the, one or more of those guys might be able to bring back a couple of decent pitchers. Is that fair? Montero, definitely. I, I think so. Bouchard, he was going into last year as probably the starting left fielder before yep. his biceps injury. Um, that was kind of a, a freak thing that happened. And so, you know, he'll get an opportunity, but there, there's only so much playing time to go around for those guys. Even if you send yeah. Hunter Goodman back to triple A, I mean, I don't know that he has all that much to prove. He did go right. one for 27 at the end of this end of the year. Um, but there's, again, there's a slew of, of young outfield prospects working their way up to Albuquerque. So there, there's only so much playing time to go around there. So yeah, they, they've got to get creative. And if, if they're going to get take, you know, 20 cents on the dollar for uh, a potential 30 home run guy in Montero, so be it. Cause again, he's, he's just got nothing else to prove. Did right we now. mention the words creative and Rockies in the same sentence, Jason? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you, well, you guys have been cutting a little bit in and out. My, my internet apparently doesn't like your, uh, your call, but uh, you know, to the point that you guys were saying is that I think the Rockies historically too have overvalued their prospects and they hold no them too close until they until no they question. contain no value. Absolutely. And then when they try and trade them, there's nothing there, and then they just release them. Yep. You know, but in this case, you know, and to Patrick's point, you got to be willing to trade pieces to mm-hmm. get other pieces back, knowing full well that that trade might turn out to be the greatest player to ever play a certain position. Right? If you if you know that you have a lack of depth at the starting rotation or in a pitching staff, but you've got a guy like Montero who might have 30 home run power, you've got to be willing to trade him to get some arm back that can help you now. They, you know, they, they got creative in a trade to get Nolan Jones. They gave up a guy, Brito, who's a good player and done well for the Guardians. And, they, you know, take go back to the Houston Street and Carlos Gonzalez for Matt Holiday trade. They're, they've done some good trades in it. Not a lot, not a lot, but they've done some trades that worked well for both, both sides. And it just... My wish is they'd go. I'm not saying they go out and try to compete for Shohei Otani, but make some good trades, make, make some creative trades. And I just, I've seen that. I haven't seen creativity from this organization in a long, long time, to be fair. Yeah. As, as great as all those deals were at the, at the deadline, the guy who had the, the best value was Elias Diaz and, mm-hmm. and he didn't move. Absolutely and right. 
you know, I've, I've kind of said this in jest, but I also think it's true. You know, after he won the MVP of the all-star game, he yes. almost became untradeable because, Hey, wait, that that's the guy we need on the, on the cover of our, our program to, to start next year or, you know, to be on our season tickets and things of that nature. And, and yeah, he does a great job, you know, with, with the pitching staff. And, and so he does have that value, but if you're trying to win for, 2025 and, and and be relevant again, then you got to trade a, one, one of your biggest assets in, in Elias Diaz. So basically we're looking at, well, before I get to that, Jason, I want to ask you about Charlie Blackman. Resigned with the Rockies, a one-year deal. Surprised me on both sides. I don't think it's a good move for the Rockies. And I really don't think it's a good move for Charlie. Wouldn't you want to finish off as somebody's DH for a team that can compete? And I mean, he's stuck in the middle of a rebuild. In fact, at the beginning of a rebuild, he's not going to go anywhere. He's going to end his career with just the, the playoff appearances from 2018 and 2019, I thought he would have taken that chance to go someplace else. Would you, if you were Charlie Blackman, you re-sign with the Rockies? You're on the tail end? Yeah, you know, listen, yeah. I mean, you're, you've are you been loyal to an organization for as long as he's been here. You know, it, Todd used to talk about that too, a lot about being, you know, playing. It's There's something noble about playing your entire career for one team. You know, could Charlie have gone off and tried to, to chase a, a playoff or a ring or something like that elsewhere? Yeah, sure. But, you know, the beard became synonymous with the Rockies. It became, yeah. you know, pretty much the calling card of the organization for the last, let's call it 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's been the face of the organization. And, and, you know, to trade him off, I don't think does does much to the fans. I think he, he knew he had a good thing here and that it wasn't guaranteed for him if he were to go somewhere else. So sure. I don't fault him for not wanting to, to jump ship. See, I, I think of Ray Bork. And I think of the fact that he was a Bruin, Boston Bruin forever and ever and ever. Came here a season and a half, won a Stanley Cup, went back, and he's a Boston, Boston Bruin for the rest of his life. I, I think Charlie could have done the same thing and come back here and, and finished his career here if he wanted to. For tokens, signed for one day, whatever they want to do. Yeah, but I where just, was he going to go? Well, I he's mean, a like, you know, I still has a good uh, bat. I mean, he, you know, he, you know, up until recently, yeah, he was a good hitter and he had speed, but you know, his skills have declined yeah, in the last no four speed. or five years. You know, he's an average outfielder. Yeah, I mean he was a decent he's a decent leadoff hitter. You know, he showed up power for a couple of years, but honestly, I don't really I didn't really see him jumping ship and, and seeing greener pastures if he were to leave here to go to a contender. Well he and Chris Bryant will be the elder statesmen this year, yeah. Patrick. Um are they gonna be able to put in full seasons? That remains to be seen. I, I think Jason's shaking his head no. I think we've yeah, his, his <laughs> Wi-Fi is good enough to see that head shake. No. Um yeah. I, I think I forget what the date is. I did I did the work at, at one point at the end of last season, I think maybe around May 5th of this year in 2024, uh, Chris Bryant will have finally played his 162nd game with the Rockies. Um, now, that being said, you know, his injury this year and, and, and Charlie's this year were just kind of freak hit by pitch on, on the hand, right? So, you know, that that's unfortunate how, how, it, how it went that way. Otherwise, you know, they could have been healthy. I mean, Charlie takes great care of himself. I mean, even still now in, in his late thirties, you know, after a game, if, if he hits a big home run, you got to wait, you know, 35, 40 minutes because he's got his post game workout. in, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that has a lot of value to, to a young Rockies clubhouse that, you know, those guys are still learning the game, but you know, had, had Charlie gone somewhere else for, for a year, he wouldn't have gotten the $13 million that the Rockies are paying him for, I guess, you know, a, somewhat of a farewell tour. And I'll push back on what you said, Mark, about uh, about Ray Bork. Now, Bork, Hall of Famer, zero doubt about it. Charlie, you know, the Hall of Very Good, right? And, and you could probably... <laughs> 
you could probably squint and bend some things a couple different ways and, and say, well, he, you know, there's no player that has ever had this many stolen bases, triples, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Carlos Gonzalez, I mean, look at him. He, he stepped away for the Rockies in that final year with, with Cleveland and the Cubs and his number five is not hanging in the rafters here at, at Coors Field. So is that factoring in a little bit to Charlie and say, eh, you know what, if 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 I don't you know, upset the apple cart here and I, I just stay here in Colorado, then eventually number 19 will be in the rafters at some point. And maybe that was part of the, the, the uh, agreement. We don't know. Works jerseys hanging in the rafters at Ball Arena, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not where, it's how. Yeah, ho- hockey is a little bit different it's a little than different. baseball. Yeah, no question. You know that. All right, we just got a couple minutes left, you guys. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say something real quick before we wrap it up. I don't think the Shohei Otani signing for the Dodgers does anything for the Los Angeles Dodgers this season. What do you guys think? He's a DH. He can't pitch. <laughs> can't pitch this year. What do you think? Jason? You're saying it doesn't it doesn't move the needle for them in terms no, of being it, a playoff team? No, the pitch, right. Their pitching is their problem right now. Healthy pitching. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, who's going to throw the ball? I, you know, no. obviously the market's still open. You know, uh, yep. is it Yamamoto still out there? Uh, hasn't made a decision yet. Maybe by the time this comes out, he will. Who knows? You're right. They're going to win the West. They're going to walk away with it. Right. Yep. Um, and then they're going to face some tough team in, in the first round of the DS, and they're going to get beat. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're yep. going to do Dodger things, right? That's right. And That's exactly right. Everyone's going to point their fingers at, you know, Dave Roberts or the analytics or whatever it might be for the reason for it. At the end of the day, they just couldn't throw strikes. Got a minute left, Patrick, real quick. Otani make a big difference in the Dodgers? Not really. Yeah. No, at least not in 2024, right? Because he, he can't, can't pitch. I, I would not be shocked, though, to, to see him maybe coming out of the bullpen late in the season, maybe, maybe a little bit in the postseason, but sure. It, it guarantees that you're going to win the NL West. Yeah. Uh, whereas last year it was like, um, eh, probably, but yeah, it doesn't, you can't buy a championship anymore. So it's, you're absolutely it's, right. Hey guys, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate Jason sitting in Patrick Lyons, DNVR, yep. fast Colorado. If you want to get your pictures ready to go, like I do send them to Jason. Hey guys, thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. We'll be back right after this. Stay with us. This is Mark Adjusted, Rockies Podcast. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Patience. That's what the Rockies are asking from their followers. And since the only other option is to not go to Coors Field, they're pretty likely to get it, whether fans like it or not. There'll be young talent on the field, and fans will get a chance to watch it blossom, albeit very slowly. That'll do it for another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. My thanks to Jason Hirsch for guest hosting this week, and to Patrick Lyons of DNVR for lending insight into the quietest of quiet off-seasons at 20th and Blake. While we're at it, all the best for a great Christmas and New Year's season to every baseball fan listening. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.